1: Um, and, uh, I'll just talk. Yeah, just talk. So um, so I'm going to have you say first your name, kind of title that you'd like, or and how to spell it, and all that good stuff. Yeah.
0: Okay. My name's is uh, Casey J. Erickson. Um, lived in Utah my whole life. This is my home. My family's here. I love it here. And I'm really grateful for this opportunity.
1: Good. Oh, and Casey, in case I get this typed up for .com, I'm going to have you spell your name for me. Okay,
0: so it's C-A-S-E-Y. E. R. I. C. K. S. O. N.
1: O. N. Okay, that's what I figured. I don't see Erickson with the E. N. too that's often. True. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Casey, I'm just gonna have you tell me. I guess start with you know kind of your story and what you want to share.
0: Okay. Um, like I said, I've lived in Utah my entire life. Uh, I have an amazing family. Um, I was raised LDS, and uh, I was really really grateful for what the church has taught me and supported, and has the support they've given me. And I went I had a, went all through school and did really well, got good grades. And um, after I graduated is when I really started to decide to spend time with my friends. And I didn't go on a mission or anything. Uh, my parents didn't force that upon me. And uh, I decided not to go to school. Um, I wasn't really invested in getting good grades or about my future at that time. And I kind of just wanted to hang out with my friends. I didn't really have an identity, so I spent a lot of time... Um, just working and then snowboarding on the weekends and uh, had some friends ask me if I wanted to use drugs and I decided I wanted to be with my friends so I did it started out with weed and that turned into alcohol and um, during that time I got into my first issue with the law and it was it was really it was a really small thing but I ended up um, quitting smoking weed at that time and I was like oh maybe this isn't what I should do but then again I still wanted to be with my friends So I spent a lot of time with them and uh, continued on that path and I ended up going from party drugs, things like ecstasy, and then that turned into finding opiates. And that's when my problem really started. Um, That's when I started borrowing money from people, from coworkers, and I started stealing money from people, and then I started conning banks and then I got into serious trouble with the law for the first time, and I went to jail for a year, uh, went to court for a year Ended up being put on probation, and um, I was still using, and I I didn't want to quit. I liked I liked how I felt, and then I created all these problems, and created all this debt, and uh, started burning people, started treating my family awful. I was awful to my sister and my mother and father, especially, but I didn't really discriminate against who I decided I wanted to take things from, and uh, that just continued to spiral. And uh, like I said, didn't do any treatment, didn't have any desire, didn't think I had a problem, and uh, it just kept getting worse and worse. And eventually, I ended up um, stealing something from my family that was something my mom worked for really hard, and uh, they ended up kicking me out. And this is when I started my journey down to being homeless. And uh, I'd go, I'd go wherever I could. I'd go to friends for a while, and then I ended up at the homeless shelter because I had nowhere to go. And uh, my parents would still enable me I would still go and get money from them and get food from them and I would go crash at their house for a few days and um, eventually they had enough and uh, they kicked me out and set it up so I'd be legally evicted from their home because they weren't going to sit back and watch their kid kill themselves and they finally realized that they were killing me So I ended up being homeless for about three years, and that was the past three years until just over a year ago. I was picked up in something called Project Diversion last year, September 28th, and I was the first client that was picked up in these sweeps. And they gave me the option to do six months of treatment and to not file the charges that they picked me up on, or I could go to jail. And I knew at this time, like, I could go to jail and I can be released within probably 24 hours because it was a It was a misdemeanor charge. And at this point, I was just, I was really tired. And uh, I was tired of feeling like nobody and nothing. And um, you just, you see things that humans aren't meant to be capable of, but they are. And uh, there's just, it's a place of absolute despair. There's no hope there. There's no light. There's no progress. And I feel like having an addiction and being homeless is hell on earth. And I had no hope. I never thought. I remember saying to myself, like, there's no way I'm going to get out of this. I'll never get out of this. And I knew I was going to die out there. And I knew it wasn't going to be from overdosing. I wasn't intravenously using drugs at this time. But just the environment itself and just the things that happen. Um, just uh, where I was working for drug dealers, I was holding their dope, I was holding their money. And they used my addiction against me to to hold their drugs for them because they knew, like, they could just give me that. Also, it's a choice, and I chose to put myself there. And eventually, it came came down to the point where I had to choose to get myself out, and I didn't know if I was ready for that. But when I had that opportunity, where the the county put together that program and uh, allowed someone like me to get some help that was desperately needed, and I just kind of went with it. Like I said I was really tired. I'd been awake for days and days. And I ended up, um, ended up going to this building by the library, and it was full of cops. And then they gave me that option, and then I went to the VOA for a day to sleep. And then they, the next day I went to Project Reality, and they were trying to put people on methadone. And at this point I chose, I'm like, if I'm going to get sober, I'm going to get sober. So I chose not to be on methadone. And then I went to Odyssey House, and that place changed my life. It really is giving me everything. It's given me the job that I have now. It's given me the platform to make a difference. And then I get to have opportunities like this. And Odyssey House is incredibly hard. And it takes, it takes a long time and it takes a lot of work. But it just goes to show like no matter what background you come from, no matter what happens to you, if you want it bad enough, you can change. But ultimately it comes down to that person making a choice. You can't force anyone to get sober. They have to choose it for themselves. And a choice, and it's a choice that I had to make, and it's a choice that I have to make every day and um it's really hard um some days are easier than others, but the best part about it is the people that you get to meet, and um staying connected to the community is the only way for someone to really stay sober and that's really what it's all about is giving back what I've learned and what we all learn to other people because in our day and age, our generations and future generations, these are the problems they're going to have to face is the addiction to drugs, the addiction to, to sex, pornography. That's what we're going to be faced with, and it's just going to get worse for future generations. And it's up to people like me and uh, other people in recovery to share what they've learned and to give back and to help others find their way back to, find their way back to the light.
1: Sound that warning and say, you know, sure you hear it from your parents, teachers, whoever, but listen to me, you know, look what I've been through and I've come out of it on the other end. So, yeah, to be that example, I guess, is why you're doing this now.
0: Exactly. Like, it's, it's possible. Like, like I said, if I can do it, I know anyone can do it, and I know that. Yeah. And like I said, it comes down to making a choice. Like, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to change my life. Yeah.
1: So now you work, now, um, tell me what you do now. You work with Odyssey House still like
0: oh sorry about that no you're fine
1: so you still you um you still in in is it is I guess the rest of your life is going to be treatment like you're still going to be with odyssey house and working with them and
0: so I don't currently work with odyssey house I work for a company called creminelli and it's it's a pivot site that the house actually sets up they got me this job and as soon as I worked there for seven months and um, while I was in adult, the adult house and inpatient treatment, they got this job set up for me. And that has been a huge part of my recovery. This company has taken such good care of me. And I've worked really hard um, to get where I'm at in the company. Um, but, like I said, I get to work with Odyssey. And I, I graduated about three weeks ago. Um, they have the gala this coming week. But I went through I went through their inpatient treatment, and then I live in their transitional housing right now. Which, like I said, they set up for me. It's it's a super safe place, and it's Odyssey's been doing this for a while, and they have these things set up. They know what it takes to get someone sober. just trying to get someone to buy into that, you know, is is not easy. Um, but the people I know that choose to buy into that and listen to another way, what Odyssey has to offer, those people usually are very successful and stay sober for long periods of time. <laughs> So like I said, I don't work for Odyssey House, but um, I plan on working for them in the future. I would love to be uh, a staff member here and give back to this place because it's, it's literally changed my life. It's helped me change my life, and I, I, owe it, I owe it a lot. So I want to be able to give back to people that have done that for me.
1: Wow. Um, I guess my last question before I know you have to go is, um, for those, you know, those who are going to be listening and they think, what can i do what if they see themselves going down a a bad path or if they want to prevent others their loved ones from having you know i know it's there's personal choice but is there anything people can do to help their loved
0: ones well yeah i mean like try to be understanding and have compassion and just understand that we're all human and we all have all these things going on in our head and some of us have a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and a lot of shame and uh need to reach out to those people and be there to support them. And that doesn't mean enable them because there's a difference. And like I said, my parents enabled me for years and they were, they were killing me. And I know it's, it's gotta be an awful situation for a a parent to want to do everything to help their child and not want to give them money and worry about them being on the streets and being hungry. And, uh, you have my, my parents got to that point where they had to accept that back, you know what? You're going to have to do this on your own. Like we've done everything we can for you and it's, my addiction became their addiction, and they were just as sick as I was. And that's what happens to family members. And they go down, they're fighting the same battle that we're fighting. And uh, the pain's just as, just as bad for them. But said, so just be compassionate. And try to seek out help for them. And eventually, you know, you keep trying and trying, just don't give up on us. Like, we need that. We gave up on ourselves. And eventually, if we have all these people around us to support us, um, maybe one day, we'll make that choice to accept that help just be understanding love us be kind be kind to everyone be kind to people there's a lot of anger and hate in this world and we just need to be kind to each other and just give a little bit of your time of your day to make someone else's day a little better and just be there to love them but like i said don't enable them
1: oh that's great advice the-